0: You're listening to Friday Night Zombie for the week of April 11th, 2014. My name is the blacksmith, and this is your weekly dose of the apocalypse. So long as this situation remains, government spokesmen warn that dead bodies will continue to be transformed into the flesh-eating ghouls. You step outside, you risk your life. You take a drink of water, you risk your life. They're after us. They know we're still in here. They're us. We're them, they're us. It's going to be a little bit of a light show this week. Um, Don't have a lot of news for you, don't have anything really cool like the interview last week, but I do have some reviews. I'm gonna do three reviews this week to make up for the lack of other content, so hope you enjoy that. But regardless, I do have a little bit of news for you, so we'll get into the news, or what little bit of it there is, then we'll do the Zom Traversy and reviews. So again, sorry if it's not super exciting, but as Doc Puss would have said, I hope you love it, bunches, anyways. I'll interrupt to bring this to you. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. <laughs> But Okay, I'm going to stop that now. Anyway, if you haven't caught on already, I was just doing an interesting rendition of the Game of Thrones theme song. Why, you may ask? Because Season 4 has just begun. And how is this relevant to a zombie podcast? Well, if you don't follow the show or read the books, there are creatures in the story called the White Walkers, and they're basically zombies. So, as I said, it's a light news week. I'm reaching a little bit here, but, eh, it's close enough. So yeah, Game of Thrones Season 4 has begun. Now, Season 4 is not a new book. Uh, Let me explain what I mean by that. In the past, each season has been based on a new book. This one is the second half of book three, so it's kind of picking up where season three left off pretty much exactly. So that's definitely exciting, especially for people like me who are huge fans of the show. I actually just recently caught up. I binge-watched all three of the previous seasons, whereas before I had only seen through like part of season two, and Man, I am completely hooked on Game of Thrones right now. But aside from that, and a little bit more relevant to zombies, The Walking Dead. I'm talking about the comic books here, since the show is on break right now. But in the comic books, the penultimate issue of All Out War, the massive comic book event that's been going on, has just come out. Now, I haven't read it yet. So far, I've only actually read up through issue 100, because I just stopped reading the book at that point. I had other priorities. But uh, I'm working on catching up. As I said previously, I'm working on a way to get the trade paper back so I can bring those reviews to you. And eventually we will get to All Out War. I've heard good things, so I'm very excited about that. Now, the downside is, once the final issue comes out um, at the beginning of next month, or towards the beginning of next month, we will be going back to one issue released per month instead of the current two issues per month. So that's a bit of a bummer, but, you know, More time equals more quality, so I guess that's somewhat of a good thing, depending on how you look at it. And aside from that, a little bit of of a personal plug, since, as I said, there's really no news (laughs) other than just Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead. I, I figured I'd talk a little bit about a couple things I'm working on for news. I write, that's what I do, not for a living yet, I'm in college right now, but I'm hoping to become published at some point, and I'm working on two zombie novels. They're two of the many projects I'm working on. I'm working on way too many things at once, but that's a whole other topic. But anyway, so I'm working on one that's called Signs of Life. It's a science fiction zombie story that takes place all throughout the solar system. It's a couple hundred years in the future, and obviously I can't reveal why this zombie plague is... Going and all is happening on Mars and the moon and in space stations and freighters, military freighters, and a cargo ship, and all these different places throughout the solar system. Because that's kind of the big reveal in the book is why this is all happening. But basically, it is a collection of short stories, but they're all tied together into one overarching plot. And each story reveals a little bit more about why this is happening and why the dead are returning to life throughout. The solar system. So I'm working on that. I've been working on that one for a while. A new one I'm working on, which is actually kind of inspired by a thing I came up with a couple years ago, but didn't really get off the ground, but now I've finally figured out the way I want to tell this story. It's called Afterlives, and it's going to be kind of a big epic zombie odyssey. It'll follow three different people throughout, you know, the different sections of the book. The first third of the book will follow... A guy in our present day right after the apocalypse has begun you know the zombies have started to rise and he's trying to survive with his girlfriend and then the next third of the book will follow his son as he tries to move his his clan you know his his group of survivors that have come together he tries to move them across the great wastes which All this will make much more sense if you actually read the book. Um, It's kind of hard to describe it in very short form like this, because it is going to be a very long book. And then, finally, the third book taking place... How was it, like 45 years in the future or something? Follows the original character's granddaughter as she is exiled from her tribe and has to try and survive with her infant son and makes her way across the country, which is... Everything is completely changed by this point, so I'm really excited about that. I think it's an opportunity to do something kind of new with the genre, which doesn't really happen a lot in zombie fiction anymore. And I, I guess that's not fair. There, There are definitely authors out there doing new things. It's just the stuff in the mainstream doesn't really change anymore or I guess really ever has for zombies ever since Romero. It's been pretty much the same stuff, so I'm going to do something that's new but still feels like a zombie story, because I think that's the problem a lot of zombie stories fall into is either they're just copy-and-paste Romero stories or they're way out there and they don't feel like the type of story that people are looking for. Well, I think I've managed to stretch out the news segment to significantly longer time than it deserved considering the amount of content so let's move on to the zom controversy, shall we? You're not running a talk show here, Mr. Berman. You can forget pitching an audience the moral bullshit they want to hear. You're talking about Apocalypse Readiness. Now, this one might take a little bit of explanation. I realize that sounds kind of weird. Apocalypse Readiness. What I mean by that is people who prepare for the apocalypse. There's been documentaries about these people, and you can read about them online on various zombie blogs and things like that. There are people out there who stockpile canned goods, supplies, you know, fencing weapons, and I mean a lot of weapons. Um, they, they buy you know, military-grade bunkers and build bunkers and all these things so that they're ready if something like nuclear war or a zombie apocalypse ever happens. Now, why this is controversial is mainly because of the weapons. And everything else is pretty harm- harmless, if a little weird. But there is that kind of worrisome tendency these people have to stockpile lots and lots of very powerful weapons. You know, fully automatic rifles, tons of shotguns. You know, they have a full arsenal usually. So, of course, this gets some negative attention. Um, and then that negative attention gets negative attention because this is Murica and we can't threaten the Second, Second Amendment here. Um, so I figured I'd give my take on it. Personally, although it doesn't exactly sit right with me, the idea of people who are getting ready for a zombie apocalypse, um, having access to all these weapons because they don't seem like the most stable individuals usually, um... I I gotta say, most of the time it is within their rights. I don't... It's my personal opinion that you don't need fully automatic weapons. Civilians don't need access to those. So that you can throw out right out of the gate. I don't agree with owning, you know, incredibly powerful assault rifles, basically. But if somebody wants to buy a bunch of shotguns and handguns because they want to be ready for the zombie apocalypse... I think they have the right to do it. I'm not sure it's the best idea, or even has a point to it. Because, let's face it, as much as some of us would wish to the contrary, there probably isn't going to be a zombie apocalypse. But, you know, I don't necessarily think they're a threat, as long as they, you know, take the right safety precautions to keep them out of the hands of kids and anyone else who could hurt themselves, and they, you know, handle the weapons responsibly and don't shoot their neighbors I do think it's within their rights but as I said it is a little silly you know a little pointless but hey you know if it ever does happen I'll gladly eat crow and say these people were right or I'll be trying to eat them either way probably the latter because I'm not one of the people preparing but anyway well, like like the news, this was kind of a short zomtraversy. This whole episode in general is gonna be a pretty short one. Again, I apologize for that, but you know, the last week was pretty long, so maybe this'll be a nice you know break from a really long episode, if anybody's listening to this. So, with that in mind, on to the reviews. Mm, purple rain, Oh, uh, sign of the time. Definitely not the Batman soundtrack. Okay, so, the second episode of The Walking Dead, called Guts, was directed by Michelle McLaren. Um, this picks up right where the last one left off. Well, actually, no, that's that's not true. It does have a, uh, flashback at the beginning. Well, it's a little hard to tell if it's a flashback or if it's going on presently. It doesn't really specify, but it shows Lori and Amy at the camp, um... Preparing mushrooms, I think, and um, it ends in Lori and Shane um, getting it on, basically. And after that, we go back to where we left off. Rick's in the tank. Um, You know, Glenn helps him get out. Uh, It turns out, though, that Rick shooting up the place has attracted a lot of walkers, so when they get back to the other survivors, they're not very happy with Rick. um, Because he's basically ended up attracting all these walkers and now they're trapped in a building. Um, I'm not going to do too much recap with these reviews, I don't think, because they really are meant for people who've seen the episode. If you haven't seen the episode, I suggest watching it before I talk about these because there could be some spoilers, but I'll try not to go into anything specifically too major. Anyway, so throughout the episode... We meet most of the characters, most of the main characters that will follow through season one, and that includes um, T Dog, Glenn, Andrea, Jackie, um, the guy—I can't remember his name—the uh, the Latino guy who, if I remember right, he he's he's gone by the end of the season, so he's not that important. But we meet all these characters, and then of course. Merle Dixon, who will become much more important in a later season, but for the time being is just kind of a jerk, and he's just there to be an antagonist for Rick. And this season is, of course, infamous for the same thing it's named, and that's Guts. And, boy, there are a lot of them. Um, Lots of gore and blood, and that's specifically because of the scene where They figure out that the zombies detect them through smell. So they decide to take a zombie, kill it, hack it up, and smear the innards all over themselves so they can sneak through the zombies and then work on getting a diversion to get out of there. It's... I have no idea how they got AMC to let them show this, but I'm glad they did, because it's a magnificent scene. It's wonderful. If you're into gore, um, incredible effects in that scene. Overall, not a huge amount of story in the episode. The whole episode basically consists of Rick getting into the building and then them leaving the building and getting out of Atlanta. There's mostly what's happening is character development. You know, character introductions, and then just interactions between the new characters and Rick to kind of just, well, just character development. That's, That's basically all that's going on in this episode. And that's fine. It's entertaining enough, because the people writing this show know how to write characters. And that really is the heart of this show. More than the zombie action is the drama. That's what makes this show work. So, When I say this episode is mostly character development, I do mean that in a good way. That's not to say that nothing happens. Definitely a lot of things do happen in in that building. It's just the story itself doesn't really move forward much throughout the episode. This episode is mainly remembered for, as I said, the guts scene. But I think really the best part of this episode is the ending, the whole thing with the key, you know, where Merle is handcuffed to the roof and T Dog accidentally drops the key down a drain. Um, is it a bit hard to believe that, you know, there's this one little drain on the roof and that's where the key falls, it's a bit convenient. Yeah, fair enough. But just it's just really interesting to see their interaction and then, of course, to see the incredible acting of Michael Rooker. And just to see how you can tell instantly, as soon as she drops that key, your mind just instantly, you know, puts the two and two together. Oh, they're setting up Merle to be a villain later on. This is the origin story of a very dangerous person who's going to want payback because they just left him on a roof to die. I didn't enjoy this episode as much as days gone by, but it is still one of my favorites of season one so I'll give this episode 7 out of 10 boomsticks. Give me some sugar, baby. Next up we've got the remake of Night of the Living Dead, or should I say one of the remakes, since there are half a million of the damn things, but this one is the most famous one, the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead. This remake is probably most well known for three things. One, being the best remake of Night of the Living Dead, Two, being directed by Tom Savini, special effects legend. And three, making Barbara a very different and more proactive character than she was in the original. To the point where she's not even really the same character at all. And in a lot of ways that's a good thing in this one. I was worried going into it that Barbara would be kind of like, you know, Tasha Yar on Star Trek The Next Generation. You know, really obnoxious and just abrasive in some over-the-top attempt to make her seem tough and capable, but I think they handled it pretty well. There are definitely times where it's just like, okay, Barbara, stop trying to shoot everything that moves. You, you can calm down a little bit, but overall, I thought she was really cool. Um, i It was really well done, and I think that's why this movie has stood up to the test of time, is because it doesn't feel like a really bad early 90s attempt at a feminist character. Now, of course, in this one, Ben is played by Tony Todd, who is, of course, a horror legend as well, just like Tom Savini. They're practically the same level of horror fame. And I enjoyed his take on Ben, but he's no Dwayne Jones. And Dwayne Jones, of course, played the original Ben and is irreplaceable. I mean, that's just a fact. But I believe by this point, Ben had already passed away. He died at a somewhat early age, I believe due to heart failure. It was pretty tragic. But all that aside, Tony Todd did a pretty good job. Um, All the other characters are pretty hit and miss here and there, but I gotta say, Barbara really holds this thing together. The actress who played her did a magnificent job, and as I recall, she is also kind of a scream queen, you know, she's pretty famous within horror. And her name is Patricia uh, Patricia Talman, by the way, or Talman, I'm not really sure which way it's pronounced. I apologize. But overall, it's pretty much the same movie as the original in a lot of ways, just updated, although I hesitate to say updated in effects, even though it was Tom Savini making the movie, so the effects are great, there's just something extra gritty and gruesome about the original black-and-white effects that gets lost when it's done in color. So it's kind of a trade-off in that way. The only major difference between the two as far as the story is the ending. ...where people die in different ways than in the original. Um, Barbara doesn't die at all. Ben, um, he he does die in turns. Barbara kills Mr. Cooper... ...who, of course, we all know was actually right the whole time... ...but was just kind of a jerk anyway. But it, 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 this ending sequence focuses a lot more on the posse... ...you know, the rounding up and killing all the zombies... And doesn't have the same tragic ending, but rather really hammers home the whole we're us and they're... or we're us. <laughs> of course we're us. They're us and we're them. It's been a long week, sorry. Um, but it hammers home that whole point that the zombies represent us. In a little bit of a ham-fisted way, I think. It's not quite as elegant as the subtlety in Romero's movies. But it's kind of nice anyway, and it's nice to see Barbara survive, especially this really cool version of Barbara. So overall, I really enjoyed it. It doesn't stand up to the original, but it definitely stands up as a zombie movie compared to a lot of the other ones out there. So I'll give Night of the Living Dead 1990 7 out of 10 boomsticks. Give me some sugar, baby. And finally, for the reviews this week, something a little different. Going to talk about a video game. First time I've done that on the show. Um... Going to talk about Dead Rising. Yeah, one of the classics on the Xbox 360. Seems a little bit weird that it's a classic. It's starting to feel a little bit old. But anyway, Dead Rising is definitely one of the most famous zombie games of all time, partly because it does take place in a mall, which, as we all know from Dawn of the Dead, is the perfect place to fight zombies. Just something about a mall just really works. But anyway, Dead Rising is famous for having just hordes upon hordes of zombies on the screen at once, and all kinds of different weapons, and of course the sequels have improved on both of those areas, but the original still stands up pretty well. I played it the other day, and it was still a lot of fun. Uh, The graphics are definitely dated. You can tell there's, you know, ten of the same zombie on the screen at once, but uh, they're all just duplicates, and the, the whole breakable weapons thing does get pretty annoying, as well as just the difficulty of the game in general, which really starts to ratchet up really quickly as you get into the story, and there's that pesky time limit. But all that aside, it is a really fun zombie game, and the key thing with that is, if you die, you have the option to keep your character and just start over. So you can just slaughter zombies, die, come back, same stats and everything, and keep doing that until you level up enough to really start surviving. gets a bit repetitive and annoying, but really the whole point of the game is just to slaughter zombies... Add infinite items, so <laughs> I mean really can you get too much of a good thing in that case the only things that I really dislike about it and I mean to the point where I stopped playing the game for a while are the other humans and I don't mean the ones you have to save although they can get kind of annoying and you really do have to choose between them and finishing the main mission because there's not time for both which causes a bit of guilt if you decide to take the latter path but what I mean is the maniacs. You know, the the, the optional bosses throughout the games, and the, some, the ones that aren't optional for the main story. And the cultists, and the prisoners, and the jeep that just won't die no matter how many times you kill them. They just keep coming back. <sighs> go to a happy place, go to a happy place, go to a happy place. Anyway, other than that, it is a really fun zombie game. Some of the weapons in there, if you know where to find the good ones, you can wreak some serious havoc, and that is just awesome, especially down in like the tunnels and stuff. At this point, I'm just geeking out. I apologize, but it is one of my favorite zombie games, and I think my first zombie game, the first one I ever played, actually. In fact, looking back in high school, going off a l- little bit of a tangent here, but I think this is worth noting, I think Dead Rising is what got me into zombies. A friend of mine named Isaac let me borrow the game in high school, and I I think that's how I got into zombies, if I remember right, because I, I wasn't into zombies at that point. I just heard it was a good game, and I was starting to get a little bit into the macabre, so I borrowed it from him, got into it, Um, then after that, started listening to the Midnight podcast, started watching zombie movies like the Dawn of the Dead remake, and then the Romero films, etc., etc., until we get here today. So, Dead Rising really does hold a special place in my heart, especially now that I've really kind of put that, you know, put two and two together. I hadn't thought about that in quite a while. That's interesting. But anyway, so all things together, it's a fun game. It's not a game you'll get bored of fast and it is really a classic that definitely helped establish the zombie game genre in the modern age. So, I'll give Dead Rising 8.5 out of 10 boomsticks. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. Well, that'll about do it for this week. Um, Like I said, not a lot of content, although still managed to get about a half hour show in, so not bad. I think that extra review helped a lot. Hope you enjoyed it. I have a little bit more energy this time than last week, so I don't think I rambled quite as much. I think my reviews and things were a little bit more coherent, at least I hope. So I hope that was a little bit of an improvement, and if you did think it was an improvement, or you thought it was absolute rubbish, let me know. Because as usual, feedback is appreciated, and you can re- direct all feedback, controversy opinions, controversy feedback, controversy ideas, reviews, news... Excerpts from your own stories, short stories read aloud, whatever you want, to FridaynightZombie at gmail Once again that's FridaynightZombie at gmail I'd love to hear from you. Next week I'll have reviews of the Walking Dead episode three of the TV show and Left for Dead, another video game. I at least Probably. I probably said in previous episodes, next week I'll have reviews of this and this, and then didn't actually do that. So, take what I say with a grain of salt, because odds are I'll forget by next week and do something totally different. So, expect surprises, but... yeah. Alright, so, and once again, of course, The Walkers Among Us project on Kickstarter. If you didn't listen last week, there's an awesome documentary on The Walking Dead fans by director Chris Macht called The Walkers Among Us, currently on Kickstarter. Right now I think it has three days left. If you're listening to this tomorrow on Saturday, because this is kind of a late upload tonight, if you're listening to this on Saturday, it's like two days, so not a lot of time, but they only need a little over a thousand dollars more to get the project funded. So please go donate. I would love to see this done, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, if a lot of people are listening to this, which, probably not, but regardless. If you're a zombie fan, this is the documentary for you, so please donate, or if you can't donate, share it with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. Heck, if you can donate it, if you can donate, share it anyway. Can't hurt, and maybe your friends would like to donate too. Because time's almost up, and they're so close to reaching their goal. It would be such a bummer if they didn't. Really hoping for them to pull through and you can help. So anyway, hope you enjoyed this show. I'll be back next week with another episode, hopefully with a little bit of an earlier upload and a longer show, because I'm hoping for lots of good undead news this coming week. And again, FridayNightZombie at gmail.com. That's where to send, well, anything. Except, as I said before, pictures of your junk. Don't send those. Anything else. Pictures of a zombie's junk? Well... Just use your best judgment, I guess. I'll see you next time.